Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Path Forward podcast. Before we get started, I wanted to announce that we will be changing upload frequency to every other week. Uh, That's all, so let's get started. I'm so excited to be hosting Serena Shah, the founder of an organization called the Rewrite It Project. She's also an avid community leader in student government and best buddies. Thank you so much for joining me, Serena. Thank you so much for having me. All right, so talk to me. What is the Rewrite It Project? So the Rewrite It Project is a youth-driven organization that aims to combat educational inequities around the city. Um, And we do this by distributing essential learning resources to underserved youth institutions. Um, So kind of the process of how we function is to collect new and used art materials, um, learning resources, craft supplies, basically anything people have lying around in their homes that they aren't using. Um, And we have uh, eight different drop-off centers around the city. Um, And then with help from our volunteers and like other uh, partner nonprofit organizations, we refurbish the used materials to recondition them. Um, And then we work to sort and package them into supply kits for distribution. Um, And then when we're distributing these kits, we really try and tailor them um, based on the needs of like the individual institution we're serving. That sounds great. So what kinds of institutions are you serving? You said for underserved communities? Yeah, so most of the communities we serve um, are low income. Um, We've got to partner with some really um, amazing communities that are doing really amazing work. Um, For example, we partnered recently with Erie Family Health Center, which is a health center that mainly serves um, Hispanic low income families. Um, and they also serve a lot of undocumented immigrants. So they're doing really great things. And then um, one distribution that's coming up that we're really excited for is um, this cultural center that's based out of Devon, which is this part of the city that um, primarily serves the South Asian community. And um, they work with the Rohingya population, which, um, and the Rohingya is a group of um, people that have been displaced from um, their homeland. Um, they're a religious minority um, in Myanmar, which has caused a lot of them to be displaced because there was a genocide a couple years ago. Um, but there's a really high population in Chicago. So um, RCC is doing really, really incredible work for these families. So we're really excited to be able to help out. Yeah, that's really cool. The reach that you have, you know, across the city, eight different centers is really impressive. Um, when did you get started? So we actually started um, over this summer. Um, we had been planning this during the first few months of this pandemic, but August is kind of when it got really solidified as a plan when we started taking more action around the city and reaching out to more locations um, to kind of get our bearings in. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, so about how many volunteers would you say you have? So we have around 20 volunteers, probably in our volunteer program. Um, but what we're really excited for was um, about a month ago, two months ago-ish, we uh, created teams. So we have a finance team, a recruitment and outreach team, and a media team. Um, and they each have around five to the largest one has around eight um, members 
And that's really exciting because these individuals have really allowed us to grow individual areas of our organization. And it's been really great to kind of draw on the strengths of um, people who have like areas of expertise in other like regions um, that we want to develop of our organization. Um, And we basically started this team program because um, this work became way too big for just our volunteers and the four of us. Um, I co-founded the organization with three other members and the teams have been really, really great because, yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, Can you kind of break down what the teams do, what volunteers would be doing? Yeah, so our volunteers um, mainly help us collect, um, sort, refurbish and um, distribute supplies. So they do a lot of kind of the preliminary work, whereas our teams do a lot of behind the scenes work. So our finance team really is helping us um, get a 501c3 accreditation so we can be solidified as an actual nonprofit. Um, They're also helping us with budgeting um, and reaching out to other organizations or distributors that can offer us reduced to no cost school supplies um, because that would be so great to partner with places that can offer um, us products that they aren't selling or have a surplus of for um, a reduced cost. Um, Our recruitment and outreach team is doing a lot of the networking around the city, so seeking out institutions that are in need of supplies um, and also helping us expand like with growth around the city so they um help they helped us establish the last three of our drop-off centers around the city which has been so monumental for the amount of donations that we're able to take in and our media team is really helping us with um kind of the visual elements of it all the four of us that started the organization don't really have any um background in anything related to media so it's been really great to have people that can help us rebuild our website build up our instagram um, and then kind of explore new social media platforms to reach out to new communities awesome thank you so much for the team breakdown um being student run you know are there any barriers that you face you know financially legally I think the hardest part has been navigating everything as a coalition of students um, without help from adults in terms of those areas you were talking about, like um, legal areas and financial areas. I think the biggest thing that has been difficult for us is that 501c3 accreditation just because there are so many legal terms in that documentation that's really hard to decipher, especially because we're just five teenagers that are trying to um, like read through all those documents and figure out what they mean and figure out the components that we need to have. But um, I've also been very impressed with how much we've been able to like accomplish just by being students. Um, everyone is, is so passionate about this organization and everyone has such a passion to grow it that um, within the five of us that are on the finance team, um, if we don't know something, like everyone will just start researching it right away. And it's been so amazing to kind of have that commitment and um, have people on our organization that have that level of commitment. 
Yeah, that student drive sounds really amazing within that organization. I know that applying for 501c3 status is very difficult. Um, you know, I've been in organizations that have had to do it. Um, and so I really applaud you for, you know, kind of going through that process. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about what your outreach looks like? Do you partner at all with like schools in low income areas? Like, you know, what, how does that outreach happen? Yeah, so we, we do it in two ways. We partner with a lot of local nonprofits. So, for example, um, we had a large distribution a couple months ago with this organization called Brown Books and Paintbrushes. Um, they're an organization that donates um, books written predominantly by Black and Brown authors to predominantly Black and Brown communities. Um, so they were able, we like doing a lot of joint partnerships where um, the uh, organization that we're partnering with can offer something and we can also offer something. So they were able to donate a ton of books and we were able to donate a lot of school supplies. Um, so we do a lot of uh, distributions through joint partnerships. And then we also have found a ton of communities just by them reaching out, by them finding out um, and discovering our website and then, um, and then reaching out that way. Um, so those are the two main ways that we kind of um, set up our distributions. Great. Um, can you talk about how you refurbish the school supplies? I'm honestly really curious as to, you know, how that happens. Yeah, so I was actually so inspired about the entire refurbishing process because a couple years ago when I was in middle school, I was really involved with this organization called Upcycling Colors. Um, which is a nonprofit that we still work with to this day um, because I was so inspired by them. So they help us out a lot with the refurbishing process. Um, but what they do is entirely recondition school supplies. So they partner with other organizations to distribute, but their job is kind of that middleman to refurbish all of the supplies. So I was so inspired by that process because it was so eco-friendly and it was such a great way to integrate into our mission and into our process um, because it's such a common theme. Like so many families just have so much school supplies lying around that they're not using. Um, but a lot of organizations won't take that used supplies. They'll only take new supplies, which a lot of families don't have. So what we do is take, take the old stuff. We'll take crayons that are worn down. We'll take sticker books that only have a couple stickers in them. And then what we do is make do with them. So we'll resharpen pencils, we'll resharpen crayons. And then my favorite is actually what we do with stickers. And we're able to kind of cut around like individual sticker pages um, and make them into like new little sticker packets, um, which end up looking really cute. So we kind of, um, we kind of follow the a motto that like anything that we give, we would want to receive ourselves. So the the things that we are able to produce end up looking really new and nice because of the way that we're able to package them, um, which I entirely learned through um, middle school through my work with upcycling colors. I love that it's an eco-friendly process, but then also I think a lot of people when they tend to, when they think of donating to lower income communities, they tend to also make those items lower quality. 
Um, they do. And so yeah. I think it's really a great thing that you guys are doing, you know, actually making those things higher quality for those communities. Um, I think that's, you know, just super important. Um, On the flip side, we've also gotten complete junk. Like we go to these drop-off centers where people are um, donating things. And, you know, I, I do a lot of the collecting too. Um, so do all the founders in addition to our volunteers. And sometimes I'll pick stuff up and I'm like, there's no way that anybody can use this. Like just because like we advertise that we can take used supplies does not mean we can take completely broken demolished supplies. And I think it's it's just so completely to your point, like it's such a testament that when you're advertising that you're donating and distributing to low income communities, um, people really, really um, like the quality of supplies that we get is often it's really saddening too. Yeah, definitely. And that's why, you know, your work is so important, um, you know, to kind of help out these communities. That's really great. Um, what is your expansion process looking like, I guess, in the future? Are you thinking about, you know, going to different cities, staying local? Um, I know that, you know, it is a physical organization, you know, not something that can just happen over Zoom. Um, you know, but yeah. what do you think is uh, your future looks like for the Rewrite It project? That's a really great question. Someone asked me this the other day and I, I didn't really have an answer for them. I think that for now, there's so much work to be done right here in Chicago. Like it's so evident just by looking at the inequities that lie within CPS, not even, um, you know, a step past that with other communities in the Chicagoland area. There's just so many systemic influences that are impeding people's accessibility to um, not only supplies, but quality supplies. And I think that that is something that we all want to just lean into more and interrogate more before we're able to kind of um, expand our mission into other cities and I think for me it becomes a question of whether I want to do the hands-on work or whether I want to be managing because when we start to expand it becomes like the role for me becomes a lot more of managing all those branches and managing and overseeing you know everything that's going on and and I don't want that to take away from the reason why I started and the reason why I'm so invested in this mission which really is to do the hands-on work and to really um, help out these communities that are in need. And so I think that before we have made a substantial impact right here in Chicago, it would be really unfair of us to spread ourselves too thin and um, expand over other cities. Yeah, I really like that you consider yourself, you know, very hands-on. I think that, you know, can you kind of talk a bit about you know, how do you prefer to lead? Would you, do you like, you know, managing, overseeing? I know that you lead in, you know, a lot of different places. Um, and, but you said that you like to ground yourself with the hands-on work. I do. Yeah, that's exactly it. I, I love leading. I love being a leader. I love drawing on the strengths of um, other people. Um, so kind of back to those teams, like it's been so great to kind of just let them go and let them tap into their areas of expertise because often those are areas that I'm not as familiar with. Um, with that, I do, my leadership often does micromanage situations. So that's something I'm trying to step back on with the Rewrite It project. 
um, because I can't often like micromanage things. Um, but I think with that, I just love doing the actual work. Like I love going to these centers, picking up supplies, doing the refurbishing myself, packaging them, do it, being the one to distribute and see the look on people's faces. Like I love that kind of hands-on work versus like always being the one to, um, you know, be in charge of the emails or be in charge of the text notifications and follow up and stuff like that. But I think a good combination is both. And that's also been something that's been really um, exciting to navigate throughout this whole process, because in the beginning, it really just did start as the four of us and the four of us were doing everything and the four of us were doing the entire process. And now our position has shifted a little bit into more of the managing and the overseeing, but um, we talk about it very frequently, how amazing it is to be very grounded in the actual work that we're doing. Yeah, that's great. Um, we are almost out of time. Um, do you have you know, any last things just about the Rewrite It project, about you know, student leadership that you, you know, want people to know? Um, that's a great question. I think in terms of the Rewriter Project, whoever is listening, please kind of look at the supplies you have just lying at home. I'm sure there's a lot and we will take that. We'll be happy to take that. Um, and I promise that we'll do good things with it and we'll do, um, we'll be able to give it to people that really need it. And I think to whoever, I don't know the population of um, people that listen to this podcast, but um, really and truly why we started the Rewrite It Project is the four of us really fundamentally believe that education is just the sure pathway to success and it's able to foster so many possibilities. And I just really want to share this belief with other students. That's exactly why I started this organization because all of us founders have been so fortunate throughout our lives to kind of have access to the resources that we need. Um, it's never been a question whether we'll be able to pursue higher degrees of education in our life. And we just really want other students to have this same privilege because education just really is the bridge to kind of cultivate a new generation of critical thinkers and problem solvers and well-rounded individuals. And um, it's just so important that each child has um, the needs and the tools to kind of tap into that instrument of education and explore their creative outlets and what their real passions and avenues for self-expression are. What a profound exit, Serena. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Make sure to give us a like, share, comment, and subscribe. And we will see you next week. Bye.